Hold on. I get the damn headset on. Okay, do I put this on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're on. And put this as close to your mouth rolling as you're comfortable. Okay. Rolling means rolling. <laughs> I got something for the bit. Oh, rolling doesn't mean action? Rolling. I got something for the I bit. Well, you want to share it with me? No, just ask me. I don't like to be in the dark. Just open it up. I'm going to have a little quiz. Since we all graduated around the same time, <clears> so <throat> I'm going to read the lyrics of a popular song and see if who can guess it. We don't have the rights to play the song, so since we're not that big. Are you good? Yeah. You sure you want to do that with this with this topic? It's okay. It's pretty light. It'll bring us around. It, it, I'll, I'll circle it all around. Don't worry. Are we talking pain train? No, no. It's not that dark. Okay. Oh I'm wait, ready. let me let me try something uh, to make sure. Can you hear us okay, Laura? Yes. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, a little okay. bit closer if okay. you want. A little bit closer. You okay. can put it down or whatever you like. Okay. okay. Ready? Yes. The words have gotten all distorted. But what they meant to say was not reported. Before the torches come to town, we're gonna burn this fort down. Today's version of Burn the Fort Down on Fortitude. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, talk to a lady named Laura Dickinson. She's a high school and uh, middle school counselor. But before we do that, Britton, you, something on your mind today? Well, I just uh, I, I wanted to start out a little light before we get into all the problems of teenage, teenage angst by bringing us back to a time when we all graduated around the same time. I'm going to read some lyrics because I've, I've been kind of dissecting them in my head and wondering what, what, you know, recording artists go into the studio and say, look, we, got some, we have a really great idea for a mm -hmm. song. Let me read out the lyrics to you and see if you can guess it. And then see, kind of just try to picture what that was like. I'll read the beginning, and when you know, just go ahead and chime in. Now look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it. You play the guitar on the MTV. Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, money for, uh, kick, money for, nothing. for nothing. Dire Chicks straits. for free. Yeah, yes. for free. Yeah, <laughs> and so, but I start, when you think about those lyrics, like, we got to move those refrigerators, we got to move those color TVs, you know, they're going into all this stuff, that was pretty uh, kind of relevant in our life, you know, MTV and stuff mm -hmm. around that time. I just wanted to say that because how much of fast forward is like, if, if the, you played that song for our children now, they'd probably go like, what is this? And yeah. I kind of asked myself that a little bit too. So deep thoughts with Brenton Payne, <laughs> <clears throat> Brenton, uh, that's Brenton Payne. I'm JW Wilson. This is fortitude. And you can find us on fortitude FW social media wise, roxamediahouse.com on the internet. Uh, the woman you're hearing, her voice, Laura Dickinson, she's an All Saints Episcopal School, middle school, upper school counselor. Uh, Laura is a graduate of All Saints, 1993, and, and she has a Master's of Education and a Bachelor of Arts from TCU. It's a school here in town. I think that's a pretty good one. Really? Have you heard of it? <laughs> no. Yes. Is there a Kicker's Award there, though? I heard about that, or a recipient of a Kicker's Award? I don't award? know. We don't, I don't know what you're going with that. Okay. But, um, <laughs> she spent 18 years of service in the public schools working for the 4th ISD, Keller ISD and White Selwyn ISD, correct? Yes. So in, before she came to All Saints to do this job, um, so she's got some experience. You've seen some stuff. Fair to say? Fair to say. So you deal with children, kids on the upper school and middle school level and um, what problems are, hurt, are, are in, in their faces every day. So let's make it real frank and keep it simple. What, what are, what's, what's going on with kids these days? That's kind of a broad question, but. The number one referral for counseling intervention services at this point is anxiety. So. That was definitely true before the pandemic. Um, second to that would be depression. Um, and untreated anxiety certainly leads to depressive thoughts. Um, but it's it's definitely anxiety, and that's only increased with the pandemic. Right. I forgot to mention, Laura, just so people know. What about these? What do these do for that anxiety? <laughs> we're, we're getting yeah. to that, don't you? Okay. Yeah. Laura, Cell phones. Yeah. Yes. Laura is a licensed school counselor and a licensed professional counselor. So mm -hmm. you, you come by it honestly. You obviously... Yes. You're, you're married to a guy named Michael, I think. You call him yes, Mike? Yes. Well, I call him Michael. As some people call him Michael. There's every male in my family is Michael. Mm -hmm. So we have to, everyone has a designated title. Right. Does anybody <laughs> call him Mikey? No, no. Actually, his family up north in Minnesota, all his first cousins call him Mikey. Oh, very good. <laughs> and you have two girls. Two how, girls. How old are the gals now? Um, they're 13, eighth grade. Uh, that's Trinity. And then Lila is, um, she's 10 and she's in the fifth grade. Where did you get that name? Trinity. Trinity. Um, Matrix fan. It, <laughs> we do like Matrix. <laughs> or the river. Right the here. river and then also the spiritual significance. Mm -hmm. So my husband actually named Trinity before she was a glimmer in our eye. He said, if we ever have a daughter, I really want to use Trinity. And I said, I love it. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. That is cool. 
So, and L- Lila, let's not leave that out just in case so they listen. Lila, we had a terrible time naming and we were at a Memorial Day kickoff with a friend from high school. And she said, I only have male children, but shout out to Friday Night Lights. If I had a daughter, it would be Lila. Oh, oh there nice. you go. And my yeah, husband sure. looks at me and he goes, that's her name. <laughs> your, your career in, in counseling kids, mm-hmm. do your kids suffer because of that or your kid are your kids better than the average kid if you can yeah. just be honest i mean your kids know kind of what mom's all about do they see are they different because of you being who you are i think that where they're different because of my work and also my husband's work because he's a school principal um is we're very very conversational so we encourage them to talk about how they're feeling we are constantly talking about how we're feeling and and checking in with them and we want to really have an open relationship with them. Mm -hmm. One of my own kids is more prone to anxiety than the other. Um, And so that's been interesting to manage as, as a licensed counselor, whenever you see those, those issues manifest Mm -hmm. in your own household, you know, you're like, Oh man, now it's in my living room. But, um, but I do have some, some insight and ability to manage it in a different way than I, than I would if I didn't have this. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, lucky for you that, between the two of us, one of us has more anxiety than the others. I'll, I'll let you decide <laughs> who it is. I won't guess yet. JW suffers daily from it. <laughs> I can't imagine what, what what causes that. I have no idea. Well, let's get into the the, the, the crux of this. What's yes, been sir. on everybody's mind these days is the pandemic. Yes. What that's done to our kids. Mm-hmm. We, obviously, we know why masks are in place, but that's caused that's had an uh, effect on children. Mm-hmm. And then the social the social isolation and all the things that mm-hmm. the p- pandemic has done to people. How are the kids uh, affected by what's been going on with the pandemic? I think the biggest effect for um, adolescents that I see that I work with daily is the disconnect. And we are meant as humans to be in community and connection with one another. And so when you are trying to do online learning or you're only social socializing through social media and your cell phone and FaceTime and virtually, you're not truly with people in the same way. We're supposed to hold space with each other like the three of us are doing now, yeah. right? We're having a conversation in a room where we're making eye contact and we're looking at one another and we're sensing one another's emotions and feelings and, and thoughts and bouncing off of one another in a way that you, you don't do virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I'm so thankful for the fact that they were able to have virtual because I think about the pandemic a hundred years ago and what happened during the Spanish flu is schools closed. They only remained open in Chicago and New York city. And that was due to public health reasons. They thought that the mortality rates would actually be worse if kids didn't go to school and they had doctors and nurses embedded in the school to help kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, our kids still did get to learn and they got to interact some, but they got really disconnected. And if you were prone to social anxiety or prone to feeling anxious in social situations, you could hide. And that yeah. caused a lot of regression sure. um, for, for students. You can hide nowadays online, though, almost too. Can't oh, sure. You, you know, have a completely like, fake life, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't everyone's life perfect? And they go yeah. to Cabo every weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. How much, uh, what percentage of your students you're seeing, have you noticed a a negative impact from the pandemic? Is it a great number? I think that you could, you could probably say that every single student was negatively affected in some way. I think it's not at the same rate, right? So if there's, um, for students in more at risk environments, which is not most of the students I serve, it's, it is the students that my husband serves. If there's trauma, see a principal, um, he's a principal in white settlement ISD at Liberty elementary. Shout out to Liberty. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome dual language program. Go, what's the mascot? <laughs> go Cubs, go, go Cubs. Cubs. But they, um, they're an A-rated campus and they, one of the top rated title one schools in the state of Texas, which is not just due to my husband, it's due to their amazing faculty and their awesome PTA. But when you're in an at-risk school, you have students that when they're first forced to be in their home system, that could include trauma or abuse or violence mm-hmm. or other things they're exposed mm-hmm. to. Obviously, that is not most of the students that I serve. However, whatever systemic issues exist in the home for any of the students that I serve, it's magnified when you're there all the time. Yeah. So togetherness brings out the good and the bad, right? Mm. So um, they were also just socially a little bit stunted. So I went into advisory classroom with seventh grade boys this fall, and I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like looking at my 10 year old daughter's friends, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and not just cause they're seventh grade boys. I mean, I spend all kinds of time around, around young people, but they weren't like 
where they would normally be, you know? I mean, yeah. they're just socially, the way they interact, the way um, they're handling their academics. And so we're having to unpack and reframe and get back on our feet. So can you get them back on their feet? Is that a monumental task? Kids are very resilient. So yes, you can. I think that the referral rates are up for treatment and, and intervention for mm -hmm. sure. So we have more kids that are needing outside counseling services, um, sending more kids for referrals for intensive outpatient programs, partial hospitalization, and sadly some even hospitalization. But for the most part, um, it's just really, really counseling offices are full. Yeah. So like in the city right now, if you want to get in for an individual appointment, it's pretty backlogged. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm asking on behalf of my partner on this. Can you explain <laughs> the anxiety, um, you, you know, dilemma, if you will? I mean, mm -hmm. think about it. When we were growing up, mm -hmm. th there wasn't really that diagnosis, right? I mean, it didn't like, I don't think that the anxiety was as big. I mean, I think depression and things like that, but- what is it about what is happening with anxiety? Is it like external or is it, or are we changing as humans too, you know, to like become more anxious as well in regards to our situation? I think it's multifaceted and that's a really great question. Thank we you. actually talk about this. At JW the wrote it for me. <laughs> we actually talk about this <laughs> at the lunch table at work a lot. So um, I, this is my own personal feelings. I think that first of all, um, Adolescents today struggle to have healthy coping mechanisms. And the reason for that is they're put in less problem-solving situations. So this beautiful thing happened in the summer when I was about 10 or 11 years old. My mother would kick me out in the front yard and say, go, explore, walk down to my best friend's house and swim. Don't do it by yourself, but don't come back till the street light comes on. Mm -hmm. My mom actually had a cowbell. She would stand on the front porch and mm -hmm. ring the cowbell, and then we knew we had to come in. Um kids don't do that anymore. We're so afraid for their safety that we don't ever let them have unstructured play. Problem solving skills are low. Their ability to manage without coming to a parent or adult. All we ever tell them is come to us, come to us, come to us. Well, sometimes they need to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if no one's going to die and it's not life and death, they need to learn how to problem solve. And we don't give them the space to do that in schools and in home situations, the way that we parent raise our kids. We are also having like a breakdown in community, like within your, most people used to raise their children in neighborhoods and their school was in that neighborhood and their church was in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And lots of times their whole entire um, nuclear family lived within 50 miles of them. Yeah, And that isn't the way we live our lives anymore, mm -hmm. right? So very few students um, have their granny down the street and go to church every Sunday or, or, or to synagogue every Sunday. And, and, and their community is really, really, really close knit like that. Um, so we have a breakdown in community, a breakdown in problem solving skills, and then we have an increase in the pace and scheduling of life. Mm -hmm. So our kids are very, very, very high demand and overscheduled. So we have these very unrealistic expectations of them. And we pack their days so full that they can't ever breathe. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, I'm guilty of it as a mom, right? Mm -hmm. You feel like you got to keep up, right? They have to be in this. They have to be in that. They, yeah. you know, sometimes I look at my 10 year old and I get really frustrated at a behavior or a choice. And then my husband looks at me and says, she's 10. And I'm yeah. Like, You're right. She's 10. Mm -hmm. Like, what am I doing? You know. But are we as parents doing that? Like you, two <clears throat> things came out of yeah. that. Like, it's like, we're more anxious. So we're, we're coddling them more right but then we're more demanding right you know like living vicariously through them mm -hmm. you know so it's like is it more of a reflection on us like our generation as like what was the difference between our parents and just letting is it communications going around so much faster that oh fear factor fear factor i mean a pandemic helps too if you want to raise that fear factor For but sure it's so you know what i mean is it's like a, a more of a reflection on us like our generation as parents too. Partially, but you know, you throw technology in the mix and, and an expectation of everything being solved very quickly. So people are not, people have very low frustration tolerance, including mm. adults, right? Yeah, I've noticed that so, with so, some people on this yeah, show. Yeah, especially, you know, like if you've ever been in traffic <laughs> lately, like you're like, what is wrong with humanity? Um, people do not accept that sometimes life is difficult and you have to power through and that's uncomfortable. Um, we don't like discomfort. We want to remove obstacles in our own lives and from our children's lives instead of allowing them 
to work through that discomfort in order to gain resilience and strength, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't get resilience and strength without a little bit of discomfort and suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, adversity is a good yeah. thing. Yeah, you like read presidents, read presidents' lives, and you think, <clears throat> oh well, you know, they all would have been checked in for partial treatment now, right? Yeah. No, 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 right, it right. made them a president because they were resilient. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Laura? What advice would you give? Is if there's a general uh, guidelines for a parent because. I, I can almost guarantee, I wrote a note down, I'm sure everybody listening to this show in the back of their minds thinking about their parenting style and is their kid like going hyperspeed when they should maybe be calmed down or go outside and play in the backyard? But what would you tell a, a parent today and how to maybe rectify some of these problems? Um, the first thing I would say is listen to your child and validate their experience. So if your child is telling you that they're tired or frustrated or stressed out, um, listen. I think we have a tendency as adults to minimize um, the emotions of children and to then try to liken them to our own experience, which quite frankly, we cannot compare mm-hmm. at all to what it feels like for them. I didn't go through any of these things they're going through, Truly. right? Yeah. I mean, it is a completely different world that they're growing up in. So first of all, listen to your child. Second of all, model downtime. Like if they don't see us de-stressing and they don't see us just taking a minute Mm -hmm. and all they ever see is us in a whirlwind and um, running with our hair on fire, which I am like the worst about doing, um, that's what they think is normal. So we're not normalizing reflection. We're not normalizing um, space. Mm -hmm. We're not normalizing um, taking a minute to regroup what we're normalizing is panic, frantic, cram more stuff in. (laughs) Right, right. Is it normal for one, uh, I'm asking for a friend again, uh, one's adolescent boys to bully their father? Is that a (laughs) normal thing? And then film the reaction to show their mother how anger enters the home? Or or is that... Is, is that normal behavior? Well, or? they film everything, and if it involved TikTok, mm-hmm. then yeah, it's normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to TikTok. Oh, fact, TikTok, yeah. it don't stop. Yeah. yeah. So walk us through a typical day for, for you, Laura. Oh, there is no typical day for a school counselor. Um, So on your average day, I, I, ske- I have scheduled regular appointments with students that need weekly check-ins. But Wait, then, do you start with coffee or herbal tea? Like, oh, are you trying to coffee. like calm down? No, or, no, okay. no. I'm a pretty amped up person for preaching so much downtime. Okay. Um, no, start with the coffee. Um, and I intermittent fast. So that's about <laughs> it till noon. So, um, lots of coffee. Um, I have weekly scheduled check-ins with students, but then I also, um, have all my drop-ins, you know, someone's crying. They broke up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, someone's um, upset a lot on Monday mornings and Friday mornings because it's stressful. So they get in a fight with their mom in the car or they got caught with their cell phone at midnight when they were, you know, not supposed to have it. And then mm-hmm. they got, a, you know, screaming match ensues and um, and crying when they get to school. And it's so funny. I almost always get caught after announcements. Can I talk to you after announcements? <laughs> yes, yes, we can talk after yeah. announcements. So well, that's good that they're uh, coming to you. Like oh, doing yeah. that, you know? I don't have any problem with that yeah. part. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's because you have to build rapport and relationship, mm-hmm. right? And that takes some time. But, and then, um, and I'm lucky enough, I know my students longitudinally for six years. So yeah. that's pretty awesome. So mm-hmm. I know them and their family and, and that's great. And siblings and, and I feel like I, and really during the pandemic, I met all their pets. So that was really cool. Oh, yeah. Cause I right, was doing right, right. Google me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I met all of the yeah. snakes and reptiles and hedgehogs. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. But, um, so that, so that is scheduled. Then I conference with teachers and parents and, and administrators as needed all day long. Um, I'm also involved with our social emotional learning curriculum, which I believe is a big preventative mechanism for helping build empathy and helping um, teach communication skills and teach how how to name and identify emotion. Because part of what's happened with technology is brevity creates a communication style that doesn't foster authentic communication. Mm -hmm. And so with students, they actually have to be taught how to talk about how they feel. And these are kids that grow up in homes with like really intelligent, capable parents. Right. But it's not normalized for them peer to peer anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it would have been for us. How much like of, um, 
a hundred incidents with these kids, how much mm-hmm. is like, nah, it's pretty normal high school or adolescent mm-hmm. stuff versus this is probably something a little more serious. Depends upon the time of year. So like December. Oh, time of year changes yeah, stuff? Mm-hmm. December's highest referral rate. Like my last year in White Settlement, I referred a student the five days before Christmas. I referred a student for inpatient hospitalization every day the last week before Christmas. Why, it, why, why before Christmas? Or very Christmas? stressful time of the year. Because so, of finals or more reflective time that everybody goes through, it, like looking at the year behind? It's academic stressor, but if you have any grief, loss, um, or trauma in a family, holidays are no bueno. Yeah. So it brings up all of it, mm-hmm. right? So I grew up in this like great Pollyanna household. Mike and Norma are wonderful people, still alive. Praise God for Mike and Norma. Holidays were this magical experience for me. That is not holidays for every human, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So at the buildup to the holiday season, for you hit on it for up, for my upper school students, a lot of it is academic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had a lot of crying and panic attacks over the last two mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah, right. Um, a lot of stress, you know. Um, but if there's trauma or loss or um, really, really systemic breakdown in the home, then holidays become a really negative time of the year. Yeah. 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 And also for kids with those types of issues, the thought of having to be trapped in their home life for two to three weeks isn't appealing. Mm -hmm. Where like, if you have a really positive home life, yay, no school for two weeks. If you have a really negative home life, hmm, I don't want to go there for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at some of the charts JW pulled up and Mm -hmm. I was, I was actually listening to kind of like top 40 music. And I Mm -hmm. noticed this theme, which was during the show or, before. Yeah, I can, I can I can patch it in while the guests are here, so you would never know I was distracted. But I'm actually listening to Top Forty. No, oh, you are like you are like a teenager. Yeah, but uh, no. So the you so know how true that is. <laughs> so the thing is, is that a lot of the lyrics in those songs are like super aggressive by the male, super like I'm at the edge, you know, by the female oh, yeah. artist. It's just like it's really oh. telling. And then listening and, to Rihanna. Yeah, you know, I mean, just all of, and so and then it shows and a lot of these charts with JW, it seems worse for the female. Like, Mm. and now you hear about all this, but is there a time in life where it's like this time worse for the female and then later in life is worse for the male or Mm. did those even out ever? Or is is that a true statement even that Mm. it's harder? It's not a true statement for adolescents. In fact, um, um, adolescent males are more likely to att- to complete suicide than females. Mm. Um, females are more likely to attempt. Um, but I, I would say that you have just as many um, male students suffering from anxiety and depression as you do female. They're less vocal, which is more dangerous. Because mm. the more you internalize the problem instead of externalizing the problem, which is what we do in counseling... Um, the ooier and gooier and nastier it gets, which leads yeah. to either implosion, um, which could be a self-harm scenario or explosion, which could lead to what we just dealt with again, sadly, very, very sadly in Oxford, Michigan. Mm-hmm. So um, students that act, the, the line between suicide and homicide is very, very narrow, right? So whenever a student is in crisis, um, whether that crisis is an implosion or an explosion, if they were able to emote and externalize the problem throughout the process, they wouldn't have gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so that's what you're there mainly to get them to do is to, mm-hmm. to vocalize these problems and mm-hmm. talk through them versus in their mind, make it mm-hmm. something much, much worse, which mm-hmm. it typically is in those situations. Right. Mm-hmm. And also be preventative. So we want to, we want to put in as many, um, in the business, we call them protective factors. Mm-hmm. So the students at my school are so blessed. I mean, they have a lot of protective factors. So um, family income is a built-in protective factor. We have, we're a faith-based school. Faith and, and religious worship is a protective factor. Um, another protective factor is having a safe place to attend school every day. All of my students have that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of adults in their life that care about them, coaches, teachers, Um I did a survey with the kids recently and 386 kids responded and they named like 65 different adults on our campus. So it's just so cool to see, yeah. you know, they're, I'm not everybody's person. Yeah. I can't be right. But they all have a person mm-hmm. and that's so important. Like being in relationship and connection is so huge. Right. So well, let's talk about cell phones real quick. Cause we we've already <laughs> oh, talked cell about it. We all know <laughs> the troubles of social media, but how bad are cell? Cause 
my kids have them now. Mm -hmm. I know your kids have them now, Brenton, but how bad a problem is the cell phone? Is it, is it something we can't stop at this point? Well, they have to, they have to be trained how to use them appropriately. I, I, you know, it's hard because I had a lot of hot, hot sports opinions and then your own kids hit this age. Right. And so it's really easy to say, You'd say hot sports opinions. I've not heard that (laughs) reference, but I like it and I'm going to use it. So I used to be really like, oh, just wait till they're older to give them a cell phone. I I think it's really important to not give them and introduce that technology too young. But I also think it's important to show them how to use it and to give them boundaries because students crave boundaries, even though they push against them Mm -hmm. and they're not great at at creating them for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's generationally back to what we're talking about before a huge difference. Like, well, especially with the pandemic, like we're sitting there going like, uh, there was a time when perhaps one of my speaking for a friend, one of my friend's (laughs) child was on the virtual. And then that I, or the friend went in and the teacher said, did you, you know, were you even out of bed for that class? Oh, like yeah. you were laying in bed, you, you know, for that. So I'm told. Yep. And so um, it is one of these things where you you question that as well. I, like we were sitting there going, why can't you guys act like college kids? Like that's essentially what you're asking for uh, sure. of a middle school or a mm-hmm. high school child. Is, and they're not ready. Why can't you get to class? Because all the curriculum is kind of changing towards that, like mm-hmm. self-responsibility. And they're not. I mean, we couldn't even get to class in college. What makes us think that at high school or middle school level mm-hmm. they could or be responsible for getting online for the classes and stuff like that? And part of the cell phone thing that JW was talking about earlier that I've seen with the kids that spirals into a mental health dilemma is sleep deprivation because yeah. they're never off technology and like yeah. screens stimulate your brain so much. And so we have to teach them how to use it appropriately, right? Like here's when it's okay to be on it. Here's when it's not okay to be on it. You know, and when I'm having to kick my husband in church when he's texting in church, I'm thinking, you got all these little eyes watching you, dude. Like, we can't be doing that because, yeah. you know, not how, saying how, I'm perfect, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's just. But you are, you're a counselor. Yeah, right. I know everything, <laughs> right? My kids are always so well behaved. Yeah. What's too young um, and what, how much cell phone time per boom. day in your opinion? Well, um, our school our school partners with Challenge Success through Stanford, and they recommend not implementing cell phone um, with internet access until 13. Um, that's hard. It's really hard. Whoops. Yeah, really <laughs> hard. Um, I definitely think that you can, um, there's so many cool ways to scale it in. You know, I've had, I, I get the best ideas from other parents, right? Yeah. So I have parents that start with a, old cell phone that they don't use anymore that they don't have internet access on and it's the landline right and you want to take the landline and go ride your bike with your brother because you need to learn some of that independence and problem solving Mm -hmm. skills there there's landline okay might do that when you're 10 okay Unfortunately, what we're seeing is we're seeing some of those old ones have really addictive games on them <laughs> that they go for for like fifteen hundred bucks on eBay. Seriously, all right, push through this, Laura. Push, push through. <laughs> In the business, we call this ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a friend that has that, but I've not heard of that myself. I've never been formally diagnosed. Yes. This, this whole show's about him now. Yeah, me either. I've never been formally diagnosed. Thank you, JW, for my Christmas gift of bringing her on. <laughs> no. But I don't think, I think for each family, it's different. We chose in our house, um, flip phone at 12, iPhone at 13. Mm-hmm. Um we're still not doing TikTok or Instagram or Snapchat. Mm. Um, That's good because we don't understand the like fixing the hair, like doing the snaps. Like I, I don't get well, what snap that is. Well, snap streaks are really important to them. Like, what is that? that? Well, it's just that people checked, they that they sent, a, it's basically a group text is yeah. all it is, but they're just snapping their friends. What is the psychological implication that I'm part of the group? Is mm -hmm. that what you're saying? Like, I'm here, guys. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not Mm -hmm. missing out. And it's also, once again, instantaneous gratification, which Mm -hmm. is a really negative report. I mean, that's why people like gambling. That's why people like anything that instantaneously instantaneously makes them feel good. A cell phone is more addictive than a slot machine. 
because mm-hmm. it's intermittently rewarding. I heard same designers in some t- cases. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the apps used yeah. gaming designers. Mm-hmm. Did you, I, I didn't hear your answer, but on how, what's a recommended daily allotment for a child, a teenager, or a high schooler? Well, Academy of Pediatrics sticks hard with the two hours, but the problem is that, like in our school, we, we take up the cell phones through eighth grade. So they're not using a cell phone but they're on a computer, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, because there's a big push to integrate technology and learning so that they're prepared for the, for the way that the workforce is going to be. But there's some really solid research is coming out just in the past couple of years about you interact, the larger the screen. Remember when our parents were all afraid that we were going to be like mush brain from watching too much TV? Mm-hmm. Well, what they found is, the larger the screen, you can you can use this to argue your wives for your next 72 inch, but the larger the screen, the less it negatively affects your brain. Really? And, and, and they aren't even really sure why that is. So they're coming out with a lot of Take research. Take that, Jerry Jones. <laughs> yeah. So they're coming out with a lot of research that says the computer's much, much more okay than them being on their cell phone. And it mm-hmm. also has to do with the lighting and why they're using it. Yeah. If you're using it for an educational purpose, it doesn't trigger the same parts of your brain as if you're using it for a social connection. Well, right. So. Like think about just even the binge watching of shows. For like sure. ne- like that's there's no call and response, no, right? Like no. you think about the cell phone, mm-hmm. it's all about I'm gonna put it out there, you're gonna come back. You like, you yeah. know, they that call that of- in the research they call it passive versus interactive. Mm-hmm. Right. So Anytime you're using technology passively, it's a little less stimulating yeah. and overstimulating. And I think that back to JW to your question, it also depends on if your child has any learning differences or learning struggles. Right. So if you give an ADHD kid an iPad for six hours, oh my gracious, it's not it's gonna be awful. Well, what about just give an ADHD? adult the internet i mean come on like <laughs> you know it's just range. like yeah here's an yeah. endless uh, you know you got some ideas well let's put them on roids here you know i mean it's just yeah. crazy yeah and yeah. it's hard to turn it it's hard to know how to turn it on and off and i think we sometimes that's a lot of passive parenting too because it's easier right like oh, yeah. they're like leaving you alone sure. if they're gaming or they're on their ipad or they're doing what they want um and for some people that starts at a really young age. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you walk into a restaurant and you see, um, I mean, babies with iPads. Mm-hmm. Drives me crazy. I, and yes, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. And I, you know, when my oldest was that age, they, that wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah. You can definitely tell a difference generationally between these kids it's on quick because of when the adaption or a adoption or adaption mm-hmm. like of that is i mean we see it with our two years between our two boys you know and just the use of it you and know? you know when suicide rates spiked mm. they have consistently gone up year every year since 2007 what happened in 2007 is that the ipad came out or it was the-, the first iphone mm-hmm. oh, yeah wow. yeah and that data is like right in line you can look at the you can look at the chart they're right next to What are the other. current stats on suicide? Um, oh gosh, I don't know them off the top of my head, but post pandemic, they're way up. So um, it's high. What's the so. solution? Like, what are we going to do? Just like medicate ourselves out of this, or how do we? Nope. Or quit? Like, just get rid of all the phone, like go to the beach? I don't know. And I wonder about that. You know how, mm-hmm. and you know, historically, you have these pendulum swings. I wonder if we're going to hit this generation of kids yeah. where they like all apped out and they're like hippies and they're like, yeah. we're not using that terrible technology. We made fire. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but no, that's not the, no, it's not the, the right way to handle it. The right way to handle it is like everything else in our lives that we don't want to do is, is discipline and, and managing it appropriately, yeah. right? But no one likes to do that with anything because no. that's not Or fun. not for our kids either. Right. Like you don't want to see them hurt, you know, kind of well, over and that. it's also requires the parent to have to engage in more conversation and in more parenting, which isn't always fun, Yeah, right? And so some parents are just like, oh, I don't want to deal with that, right. mm-hmm. you know, peace mm-hmm. out, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Let them have their stuff. Um, real quick before we move on to the next topic, TikTok. You just talked about it a sec. <laughs> uh, my daughter mm-hmm. and your daughters, I would I would venture a guess that they're become professional dancers in in the home, right? Oh, my for daughter, sure. I think she's. Uh, I don't know why the, every every parent gets to see this, but the kids have turned into dancers all of a sudden. It's kind of cool, 
but it also it's it's never stops. I mean, they can't no. stand still. They can't go to the you know to dinner with the parents without dancing in yep. the line or at the table. Yep, it's like it's consumed these these guys. Um, it, What's going on there? Wait, and dancing or filming the dancing all the time? I suspect both. both. Yeah. Dancing both. with with our daughter, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. So, and this is why prohibition doesn't work because my kid doesn't have TikTok, but she knows every TikTok dance, okay. right? Because yeah. all her friends do. So yeah. it's like, gosh, Almighty, I should just let her have it because what's the point, right? Mm-hmm. Prohibition does not always work. We mm-hmm. know that from history. Yes, um, but TikTok, um, it, it can be very fun. I mean, it can be very social in a positive way. I worry a lot about, they've come out with some crazy stats now on what Instagram has done for body image for girls. I worry a little bit about that with TikTok. Yeah. TikTok can get sexual real quick, not as bad as Snapchat, but real quick. Why Um, can Snapchat? Because it used to be that it disappeared. That's the, that's the whole point of the snap. That's why the icon's a ghost Mm -hmm. is because as soon as you did it, it was only live for so many seconds. Well, now you can screenshot it used to not even be able to. Oh, really? So that's why it was nude central because it was like, oh, if I'm going to take naked pictures of myself, I'm going to do it on Snapchat because then mm. it won't be there, yeah. right? There's no trace. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's not the case now. But with TikTok, I think it can be fun and it can be lighthearted. It can get mean. It can be used for bullying. But that's where we have to talk to kids about how technology can be used for good or how it can be used for bad, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to teach them how to use it. There's a really great social emotional learning curriculum that um, is out there called the Social Institute. And they do a thing called hashtag when it's social and it Mm -hmm. teaches kids like this is examples of people in the world that are using social media for good things. Mm -hmm. This is an example of how you want to use these things because yes, that can be a fun way to interact. It's not all bad. It's that it can be used in a negative way, Surely. right? That's fascinating, interesting. Um, let's go back to depression and anxiety, some of the things you're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of. Uh, what are warning signs people mm-hmm. see from kids? Um, so they're very different, the warning signs between anxiety and depression. Anxiety, um, sometimes it can be things as simple as um, fidgeting. And um, we used to tell kids in school not to fidget. I was just shaking my leg when you said that. <laughs> yeah, and, but fidgeting is <laughs> helpful because it integrates anxiety, right? So when, you, when you're anxious, your brain re- releases cortisol. And when we have bilateral movement where we use both sides of our body, it integrates cortisol, which is why anxious people fidget, right? Mm. Which is why we need to tell kids not, don't fidget. Like, here's how you can fidget, right? Let me show you a way that you can be in class. You can be very anxious and no one knows. You can take your water bottle and move it from hand to hand. You can tap both feet on the floor silently. You can take your pencil and you can look at it and then unfocus and then look at it and then unfocus. No one knows what you're doing, but you're integrating that cortisol, right? So a lot of fidgeting, um, trouble sleeping, interrupted sleep pattern, um, cyclical thoughts. um, We call it ruminating. So if your if your child brings up a lot of the same things over and over and over and over again, and you're like, you are driving me cuckoo. Like, why are you so fixated on this thing that seems so minuscule to me? Yeah. Um, that can be a sign that their anxiety is really uh, ramped up. In severe cases, we can see kids um, hair pulling and skin pulling and and things like that. But that's really getting very severe. So um, it's typically going to manifest itself in. Um, uh, if it's social anxiety, it's not wanting to leave the house, not wanting to go to school, not wanting to go to parties, not wanting to interact with people other than social media. Cause if you're on social media and you have social anxiety, it's spectacular because you can be super confident online. Right. Um, be, yeah. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. But just, I have kids that are very extroverted, very popular, but are still anxious. So mm. social anxiety and anxiety are very different. <clears throat> Depression's going to be like, um, lack of motivation. Um, grades typically drop, um, not finding interest in things that they used to really like. So if you have a kid that's just loves soccer and then they're just, they don't even want to go to practice anymore. Um, distancing themselves from friends that they've been friends with for a long time, wanting to sleep all the time or, or staying up all night. So I've had students that were, had insomnia, but I've also had students that like wouldn't get out of bed, right? Mm-hmm. It can be either end of the spectrum. Um, so major change. It can be weight change, 
with adults and depression, we say weight gain. Teens is actually typically weight loss. Mm -hmm. Um, They sometimes lose the motivation to even eat, which I'm like, gosh, what's that like? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Never not wanted to eat. I mean, but but, I mean, I have kids that'll tell me like nothing motivates me not even going to the refrigerator. Right. Nothing, you know, so. Um, so Does different. that just hit at like at the teenage years, like harder than this, uh, the reg, like the pre adolescence, or what happens? Like, well, some of it's puberty and hormonal changes. Some of it's situations that they end up that are different, right? Mm-hmm. So they haven't been having to navigate relationships, um, sexual relationships, introduction of drugs and alcohol, having mm-hmm. to make life choices like where am I going to college? Yeah, all the stress that they're under with their their grades and performance and athletics and um, they feel a lot more pressure. You yeah. know, they feel when you're about like the happiest time of childhood is really like eight to, to 11, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you aren't thinking about the opposite sex, really. You're friends with everybody and you just want to go play mm-hmm. and it's great. Yeah. You know, life is simple. It's yeah. very yeah. simple. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, a little bit of a, some, one topic that I wanted to delve into, bullying. Do you mm-hmm. see a lot of bullying? And like we, we were kids, we, you know, hopefully we weren't too big of bullies on some of the people, but I remember being mean to people that I wasn't close to. Uh, I can, I know of cases where it was much worse from other people. Is that still a thing? And mm. how do you address a bullying? bully emerges? Right. A bully testimony. <laughs> a bully in our midst. Yes. A bully in our midst. It's a reform bully. <laughs> a yeah. reform bully. So, Some days. Not on the podcast every day. So your most at-risk population for bullying and actually for suicide as well is the LBGTQ plus community. Um, I, I like to think that the school that I work at is a safe school for those students. Um, but that is the most bullied population. Um, it is also the population that attempts and completes suicide at the highest rate. So that's if that's a huge protective factor. If you're raising a child that is identifying in that way, you need to definitely be aware of that as a parent. So yes, bullying is still out there, unfortunately. What decreases bullying is empathy and learning how to understand how someone else feels. And um, because you're not going to be unkind to someone else if you're actually putting yourself in their shoes, right? Yeah. Um, So we have a couple things that we do at our school that a lot of schools do and are mandated in public schools. Um, So a lot of schools have bullying prevention programs, but we also have anonymous bullying reporting system. So um, we use a program called Safe Schools that's put out by Vector Solutions, and it's a way for kids to text, call, email without anyone knowing who they are. I really only get a couple of reports a year from that, which is still important for it to be active. But our students come to us because another protective factor to decrease bullying in your school is adults that students trust, Mm -hmm. right? So if a student feels like that they have a teacher, a coach, a priest, a counselor, someone they can go to that they trust and tell them what happened, then it's going to end much more quickly, right? So, you know, you used to have this thing when we were growing up where it was more of like the schoolyard bully and the kid was bigger than the other kid and he'd threaten him for, you know, stealing his homework or his lunch money. It's now very much online, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. So in September, uh, September 1st of 2017, a law was passed um, called David's Law in honor of a young man um, in Texas that took his own life after being bullied. Um, and it it's a law that pertains specifically to public schools and the way in which you report bullying mm-hmm. if it's done through um, online. Um, so that could be sending a picture of someone else without their consent. It could be... Um, mean things posted online. It could be mean text messages. Um, kids are much more subtle and it they're tricky. It's yeah. a lot harder to catch. I mean, you know, it's not like True. the movie Mean Girls where there's a burn book, but they do all of those same types of behaviors mm. online. You think a lot of that comes from the home, what they see going on with mom and dad or, uh, you know, certain insecurities or whatnot, you know, um, or, or do you think that when kids get together, because kids can just be mean. Take it from the friend I know who gets bullied by his sons. I mean, it's like the kids can be mean is what he tells me. Well, boys boys, boys bully physically. Girls bully relationally. Yeah. And, I mean, have you ever sat at coffee with a group of an adult adult women? Yeah, they learn it sometimes from yeah. their parents, yeah. right? Every so, day, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, 
Yeah, I, I think some of that's modeled in the home in a positive and a negative way, right? So, so if you are teaching your children values like, well, let's not talk about somebody when they're not here, or yeah, you know, well, gosh, that's that sounds like gossip, or mm-hmm. oh, you don't want to talk about somebody else the way somebody else looks like that, you know, that's that's not very kind. Yeah, um, there's a lot of ways to frame that, but I see cool things all the time with kids where. I'll have a kid come in my office and say, oh, we're on the group chat. And then so-and-so said this. And then I said, I called him out. Yeah. And then two or three other kids said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Thank you for calling us out. We should mm-hmm. have said that. So we call that being an upstander at our school. And, um, you know, you can be a bystander to bullying or you can be an upstander. Sure. And I see kids do it every day, you know. And um, our the kids self-manage a lot of times. I had a situation one year where a group of boys tried to set up a social media account to make fun of a girl and um, my senior girls, I, I do a, a senior girls club called sis and it's a mentoring program for freshmen and senior girls. And my senior sis girls, I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to get a hold of those boys and take them out in the parking lot. I was like, call off the dogs. Oh, yeah. Call yeah. off the dogs. That's I was good. Like, but they do self manage. Right. Yeah. So, not all kids are making the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. Not all kids are being mean. Not all kids are bullying. But we have to create cultures that say that's not how we treat each other here. And at our school, we say protect the family. Yeah. Right. And so you have to t- create a culture that says we're not treating each other like that. Right? So, you know, all this can be tied. And I think about it often when I'm raising our own children, and even with my wife, it's like, it's respect. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like one word. This whole world could probably revisit in its definition and and kind of the attributes of it. And it's just like, how do we how do we get there? How do we get to a more respectful place? Because we're utilizing a lot of really great tools we have all around of us to disrespect almost, it seems, more than we are res- to respect, you know? Um, uh, part of that comes from perspective taking and that means you have to have empathy and put yourself in someone else's shoes and know that not everybody's life looks like yours. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you looked around and what's going on in society and in our country, if everybody would stop yelling and start listening and take each other's perspective a little bit, we wouldn't be where we are. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, it's like tap the brakes, mm-hmm. you know, just tap the brakes and understand that, I, I counsel kids every day that are dealing with things that I never dealt with, mm-hmm. but I'm still able to take their perspective, right? Yeah. That was not my experience and is not my experience, but I can still listen mm-hmm. and I can be a non-judgmental space and I can understand without having experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about drugs for a sec? Yeah. Um, we both were in high school, middle mm-hmm. school. Yeah. We, we know it's there. I know it's there even now. Uh, every every high school probably has a has a has an issue. Do you see it? Are you seeing it? And what's what's going on with that? So, like everything else, drugs is very different. You know what people experiment with, how they get it. They get it from Snapchat, by the way. Um, they please explain that real quick. Snapchat <laughs> dealers deal on Snapchat. Do so, they? if I want a vape pen that has a THC pod, which is how kids use weed now, which is actually a felony, not a misdemeanor. So it's really scary, but, um, and it's also really scary because it goes into your bloodstream at a way higher content than what the vape stuff does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just like straight in your bloodstream. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, kids like to say, Oh, THC is not addictive. I'm like, "Eh, well, first of all, it is second of all, the way, the way you're using it in a vape pod, it is. So yeah. If well, kids, you don't even know what is. It could be like cyanide in there. Isn't well, it? there could be fentanyl, yeah. which is another scary mess. And that's gone up one mm-hmm. third during the pandemic in Tarrant mm-hmm. County yep. in our own community. But um, vaping, um, nicotine and vape being THC pods. And there's a, a new, it's legal. That drink or whatever. Um, well, that, but Delta 8. Mm-hmm. Delta 8 is a synthetic um, and it's legal at convenience stores. And so these things, yeah, kids. Ace Hardware, you can buy that. Ace Hardware. Ace Hardware. Why Delta Ace Hardware? A. Who knows? It's terrible. It's terrible. And, and it should be. At the hardware Shame store? on you, Ace Hardware. Ace Hardware. Like, Ace Hardware, get go, your act I mean, together. You got to go down to 199 there to go to the Ace Hardware. That's There's the only one Ace in Hardware. Westcliff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably why, because those TCU kids are all getting that Delta 8 there. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, it's it's unbelievable. I shop at Lowe's. Good for you. <laughs> 
I like Ace Hardware. I don't think but they sell Delta I, Eight hey, at Lowe's. Ace Hardware, Laura Dickinson is not hating <laughs> yeah, on you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> protect the nerds. <laughs> protect yeah. the family. No. Um, so vape pods. Um, there's still some. Not like when I first got into counseling. I got into counseling in '03 was a fully licensed counselor in 04 in public school. You always get hired on an emergency certificate before you're completely done with your, oh, whatever really? it is. Cause they need you. Right. Yeah. So back then it was a lot of Xanax and it was right before they took Oxycontin off the, off the, um, you know, out of, off the market. If you haven't watched dope sick, wow. It's good. Oh, it is yeah. so sad and hard Just to watch. J- about, oh, you yeah. gotta watch it. So good. Are they I love have all the seasons on that. You know, I have not heard if they are or not, but like I'm into all of it, like yeah. Narcos, Narcos, Mexico. I love all the, I love all the We watched this shows. one, High Town. Yeah. It was pretty good too. It's Cape Cod. I've like, heard, I need to watch that one. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that, so back then it was a lot of Xanax and Oxycontin and painkillers and things like that. And it's not that we never see pills anymore, but it's abusing each other's um, focus medication, right? So Mm -hmm. a focus medication is a stimulant and it's really an amphetamine. And so there's a lot of abuse of that on college campuses because kids that aren't prescribed it like, oh my gosh, I can study. And if I'm a college or high school aged girl, I don't eat and I'm skinny. Oh yeah. So not just party, like stay awake really, you know, it's the double reward. Right. Mm -hmm. So my grades are good and I quote unquote, look the way people want me to. And I've heard this. Oh yeah. If you snort it, it breaks the time release, right? Like, I mean, that's kind of what the, well, you see that in dope sick with Oxycontin in it and it also hits your bloodstream faster and makes it more addictive and it's very dangerous. And so, so it's super scary with fentanyl coming in any type of thought of any interaction with pills. It's just very frightening. Occasionally you will hear about um, cocaine. And I actually heard about acid not too long ago. I was like, my God, I hadn't heard about acid since that, you know, late eighties, early nineties. But, but for the most part, hands down, if teenagers are addicted to something right now, it's nicotine through vaping. They do not smoke cigarettes. So we had completely eradicated the tobacco issue in Texas Mm -hmm. with a little bit of smokeless tobacco. There was still some dipping going on um, in young people until vapes came on the market and that blew the lid off of it. And um, that was really actually simultaneously about the time I started at all saints like in it, it just kaboomed. And then um, so it's really important. We do vaping education every year at my school, um, six through 12th. It's very important that students know that a THC pot is a felony. It's very important that kids know how addictive nicotine is through a vape as well as how addictive THC is through a vape. It's a true statement if I said if you're at a teenage level of brain still forming, the addiction, the rate that you'll get addicted is faster than if I do it now. Like I just – I recently kind of thought of that. Is is that a true statement? It's it's not – it's not just that, it's that it's also more damaging to your brain development because mm-hmm. your brain, your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed, which causes you to choose that, right? Because you're not, your decision making isn't fully there yet, but it also damages your brain at a much faster rate. Mm. So, and we just don't know longitudinally what's going to happen with it because, I mean, this stuff's only been on the market for five, six years. What yeah. she was telling you is your brain. I saw developing. you smiling as soon as she said, <laughs> I saw you, I saw you like, I saw that smirk and you're like, See should I just try, I, should I try to just kind of ride this mm-hmm. one out or should I smile at the damage that this gentleman has done to his brain? <laughs> what about abuse in, in the home front? Are you, do you, do you ever come across that in your career? Or do you see it and do you see signs and, and how do you deal with something like that? Like physical you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Child yeah. I, I've sadly dealt throughout my career with every form of child abuse. And, um, of course, at risk populations are more at risk. Um, child abuse happens in all demographics. It does not just happen in, um, poverty. It happens in every, every setting. It happens the more stress, and at risk a home situation is in, so less of those protective factors, mm-hmm. the more likely there is to be abuse. That does not mean that abuse does not exist in affluent populations, right? Well, and we so. heard from the DA that mm-hmm. like it's kind of weird. Like, like Sharon, yes, I love in Sharon. like affluent situation, like that it's more premeditated because it can be held like all day, right? Like it's not so reactive that it's it, like 
it can be controlled, controlled, and then it loses it. Kind well, of thing. right. And like a lot of things with affluence, um, there's a higher level of secrecy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. No, he's right. Like you're, you have a bad day, but you don't, you can't act that way at, at work. So you right. take it to home and then you, they do whatever they do to whoever it's to his point, premeditation in that regard is you can control that if the, mm-hmm. the right steps are taken. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> forgive me, but you, with all the bad stuff we talked about today, and there's considerable amount, there are good things oh, happening. Yeah. Could you share some of your successes with us? Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just see kids that overcome so many things to go on to do amazing and great things. And so, um, I have students that will go through, for example, a partial hospitalization program that's 30 school days, six weeks, and they get counseling all day, every day, they get caught back up on their academics and then they're attaining their goals, right? Yeah. Like they're getting into the college that they wanted to. They're being successful. They're maintaining their grades and participating in athletics again and having positive relationships. Um, I've seen kids overcome some such difficult things to go on and be so successful. Um, when I worked in public school, I had so many students that were first generation um, college attenders. And to see these students who grew up in just really difficult and impoverished situations and their parents had made so many sacrifices for them to come to this country and to get an education and, and they're, they're doctors and lawyers. And, and I mean, like they were, they had such an at risk, difficult childhood and are so successful, you Mm -hmm. know? So, so yeah, I, I definitely think that, um, all hope is not lost and, and anxiety and depression when treated are very manageable, mm-hmm. right? And so these are things that can be part of what builds character and resilience in a kid's life, not having to be this huge, horrible, culminating factor to, that leads to lack of success. Right. So that's when, well put. Yeah, I can yeah. see it. I can see it in your face talking about successes. That's I, I suspect you feel rewarded in your in your career with the, these things. I, I feel so blessed to get to do what I do every day. It is such a privilege and an honor to serve the kids that I serve and the families that I serve. And I get so much more from them than they, than they ever get from me. That's great. That's great. I, I forgot to ask you, I'd be remiss if I didn't, the mask that kids were wearing and yeah. the, the effect of that on, on the kids and some of their kids' demeanors. Is it, can you speak to that really briefly? The older kids, you know, not as much probably. I've really... Th- I'm really curious to see where research goes with that, with the Mm -hmm. younger ones, right? Mm -hmm. I was, um, we went to Disney over fall break and we were on the monorail and there's this little kiddo in a, you know, it is at Disney. It's like, did you stay at a hotel attached via monorail? We did. Excellent. First class all the way. Wonderful. Um, it was magical from start to finish. (laughs) Grand Floridian. Yay raw. Um, but you know how strollers it's like, she promotes ACE hardware as well as the Grand Floridian. (laughs) As well as the Grand Floridian. Um, as well as all Disney property resorts. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> um, all Ace Hardware stores in the continental U.S. <laughs> yes. Uh, shout out to Ace Hardware again. Um, but you know, at Disney, it's like strollers are rampant. It's like like everywhere you look, there's a stroller, there's a stroller. And then, you know, they're everywhere. Well, so this little kid, I was in a stroller and they had their little tiny mask on. And I had my mask on and we were interacting with this little toddler yeah. and she was totally interacting back with us. And I said to her mom, I said, I wonder if it's strange for her because she can't see my face. And she said, she never sees anybody's face. And I said, you're absolutely right. Like since she's been born, if she was out in public, everyone had on a mask. And that got me thinking about the research that will come out. I I did not see it. Um, It actually made schools like super calm, which was kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Um, The kids were much more subdued, Mm. um, which was an interesting side effect of a mask. we didn't get other bugs, so that was nice, you know. I got bugs in my mask one time, like chiggers <laughs> in the mask. That's where I got all bitten up. Terrible. Yeah, I know it's bad. That's awful. <laughs> I don't. Uh, thank, I don't like masks. For, thank you for that story. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't see like these terrible negative effects with the masking with older kids. Um, I think, I think it was the. I think it was being disconnected Mm -hmm. with the virtual learning that was worse Mm -hmm. in terms of like, thank God they were able to learn, but not being in community the same way. Right. Well, and on that, I would just got to, cause I know we're running out of time. The athletics, cause a lot of schools, athletics kind of got, you know, shut down during that time. 
How much does that, like, did you see, like, a rise in cases because these kids aren't exert Like, physical activity yeah, is a good thing. Yeah, sunlight huh? and physical activity are both mm-hmm. counteractions to depression and anxiety. So um, the first thing I would ask in a virtual session when I had to see kids by Google Meet was, when was the last time you left your bedroom? How mm. much sunlight have you gotten this week? And are you sleeping normally? Yeah. Right? And then we would get into physical activity. Yeah. How much um, can you bench? Like I asked are, JW that Are you weekly. not going to answer her questions? <laughs> Clearly that was a test. So my bench is not as high as I'd like it right now. I'm working back. Not that question. <laughs> sunlight. Are you getting snuffed? Oh, I don't sleep? leave my bedroom when I'm not here. I just, <laughs> it's one of those things. I have a lot of post-it notes that I draw ideas, things I'd like to talk to JW about on a more serious nature, you know. Oh my goodness. Uh, We're wrapping this up, but what scares you the most about kids these days? That they're suffering and no one knows. Mm -hmm. So this communication thing you spoke of initially, talk to your kids, talk to somebody, communicate. Yes. And make them leave their room. Yeah. There you go. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, we'd like to end every show. We've appreciated your time. This is fascinating. And thank you for sharing. Um, Besides familial affairs, your your marriage, your kids, your family, mm-hmm. what's the best day of your whole life? Oh, gosh. Well, it was with my family. Nope, can't accept it. Well, if it was like Wait, non say Disney, I, I kinda, I'm not, I'm uh, not, I'm not, even though I Thank you to our generous magical. sponsors, the Grand Floridian and Ace Hardware. I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna give a shout out to the National Park System. Oh, so, that's cool. So during lockdown, um, we took the girls to Glacier and um, and uh, Yellowstone, and definitely best day ever. That's awesome. Yeah. Where well it, was it crowded? Um, no buses, no international travelers. The least crowded Yellowstone has been since probably oh. the 1940s. Yeah. Just you and the bears, huh? It was. There were a lot of people there, but nothing like normal. Yeah. And Glacier. Um, Glacier's part Blackfoot Indian Reservation, so they didn't open the Indian Reservation side, so it was a little more crowded, but mm. Yellowstone, best day ever. Well, I'm going to go call my kids and tell them I love them, and I'm going to leave you two to chat privately for a little <laughs> while. I'll be back. No, but my thank- friend isn't here. Laura Dickinson, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you.